Here's an experiment for you. Take passionate experts in human resource technology. Invite cross-industry experts from inside and outside HR. Mix in what's happening in people analytics today. Give them the technology to connect. Hit record. Pour their discussions into a beaker. Mix thoroughly and voila! You get the HR Data Labs podcast, where we explore the impact of data and analytics to your business. We may get passionate and even irreverent, but count on each episode challenging and enhancing your understanding of the way people data can be used to solve real-world problems. Now, here's your host, David Turetsky. Hello, and welcome to the HR Data Labs podcast. I'm your host, David Turetsky. Like always, I try and find fascinating people in and out of the world of human resources to talk to us about HR data and analytics. Today, I have my friend John Tardy from Turetsky Consulting. Hey, John, how are you? David, hey, great to be here with you. Awesome. I know we're going to have a great time today, John. Why don't we start with who you are? So you have a broad technical background. You have an engineering degree from Rutgers. Go Big Red. And you have an MBA from Georgia Tech. Why don't you give us a little bit more about your background? Yeah, you know, I do have that technical background. My niche has always been like in the interface really between the business and the technology, really unlocking the value that's uh, in the technology and in the in the data for the business. I've had a considerable focus on on HR and payroll, uh, but other areas of operations as well, uh, field service, supply chain, facilities, and a number of others. So you're well-rounded in the world of business and data. I'm a utility player. (laughs) That's great. Every team needs a good (laughs) utility player. Awesome. One fun thing that you may not know about John, you are in training to become a pilot. That's right. I have I have completed all the training requirements. I just haven't taken the final exam. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, it's always been a passion of mine, really aviation and space flight, something great that people can accomplish together. Sure. And uh, you know, allowed me to really even feel closer to those experiences and and also I feel like it has parallels to my work in technology and data. There's nothing cooler than taking off. I imagine. Yeah, you know, I think for me, there's this magical quality sure. of, uh, of of flight, sure. and you know, getting closer to and really having that personal experience in, in being able to control the plane and flying helped me to understand really that it's not magic, that it's physics, and yeah. actually, you know, at a deep level, at you know, some point, it's that the the plane is presented with certain conditions, it has to fly. <laughs> it has to fly. And, you know, for me, you know, here we are talking about, about data and big yeah, data and right. machine learning and AI. And there's a, there's really a parallel there, I yeah. think, because so many people see those as, as magical, uh, magical tools and it's math, it's statistics. Right. Right. Yeah. Cool. So today's topic, as you've hinted, is around the concept of big data, but It's more about the value of the data. So the way you've described it is big value, not big data. That's right. That's right. You know, I think there's, there's a lot of excitement around big data. And, you know, I think for starters, as a, as a technologist, as a, as a data professional, you know, the first thing that I think is important to understand is it's not a technical term. There's no classification of, oh, this is big data and that's small data. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, when I was doing my, big data certification on uh, Coursera, one of the things that kind of struck me was there's just a ton of unstructured data out there, right? That if you wanted to wrangle, 
you'd have to wrangle. And the concept of big data to me was always this, you know, big unstructured data. Is it really, or is it something else? Mm-hmm. I think that's part of it. They talk about the, the V's, you know, variety right. is one part of it. There's right. the structured data and unstructured and uh, you know, a couple of other components are the volume, right? Mm-hmm. Just the size of the data certainly is one aspect of it. And then uh, something we call the velocity, the, the rate at which the data is coming in or the rate at which the data is changing. Right. And but these are characteristics. And so the more that a set of data is expressing those characteristics, the more it leans towards big data. So, John, what are some examples that we might find in the world of HR around big data? Yeah, I think there's there's a number of areas. Uh, the first one that comes to my mind is around recruiting. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason for that is that we have many more applicants than we have employees. Sure. And the interactions that are available there. So, you know, starting with the company portal that a candidate would go to to uh, complete an application, right? There's web analytics of what sort of interactions are we getting there? There's opportunities to see how uh, a candidate is responding to the information that the company is putting out. Right. Resumes, unstructured data. Absolutely. Right. So that fits in perfectly in, in the, the kinds of, uh, value, uh, and analysis and analysis that we can do on that. Yeah. If you saw my resume, you'd know for darn sure that it was totally unstructured. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole nother topic. Yeah. No, no. It's another topic for a different day. And then, you know, and then there's all these uh, different channels or resources in which we have candidates coming in. So which one of those channels is performing the best for the company? Right. Yeah. Right. And there are other ones as well. And I I know that you have some examples. The examples I like to talk about are when people search the web and you mentioned the recruiting, you know, recruiting is hot, obviously, but there are thousands of recruiting sites and there are thousands of postings on each one of those recruiting sites. And I know there are, there are literally companies that scrape all of that data and take all that unstructured data and put it into analyses to understand what are the hot jobs, where are companies hiring, what industries are hot, what industries are hiring. So there is a there is a lot to be said for all that unstructured data. Absolutely. Another area like looking more inside the company is around employee engagement. Right. So here, I think, you know, one area that's really neat is looking at network analysis or sure. what is the connection between different employees? How connected is this employee right. to the organization, whether it is within a particular department or even how, how cross-functionally do they interact, right? Those are key aspects. Sure. You know, you could look at sentiment analysis, how positive are those interactions? And you mentioned unstructured data. I mean, really a variety of data sources that you could look at, you know, email, certainly unstructured, sure. right? You know, the old uh, employee surveys are, are one, you know, data point. Exit interviews would be another. Sure. Uh, unstructured opportunity. But I, I think that starts to get into once you start talking about exit interviews, you start talking about not as much on the volume side. I mean, yes, if especially we're talking about large employers, it is but but even then, we're still not talking the types of volume that are in the world of big data, right? Those are much smaller sets of data. Exactly. And I think that goes back to one of our original points is, okay, do you call that big data or not? Well, it could be, depending on how you collect it, it could be unstructured. It could be notes by the exit interviewer. And then somebody may consider that as being dead. But, you know, let's let's talk about that for a second. What's the difference? Yeah. (laughs) Who cares if it's big data or not big data? Right. And I think the who cares is that as we get into data that expresses more of those big data characteristics, we benefit from different tools. So 
as a data expert, that's where it starts to come in is the same tools that are effective on small data and, and strictly relational data start to break down when we get into more of the big data realm. And I think that's a really good point because where you're storing it, it shouldn't matter. Not these days, not with storage being as cheap as it is. And with the availability of platforms like AWS giving us the ability to, to really, you know, be extremely creative in how we not only take different forms of data and store it someplace, then figure out how to use it. So there really is, you could definitely say there's the storage world has kind of revolutionized the types of data we keep and then allow us to be much more creative around the tools we use to then be able to go in and look at it. Absolutely. The storage is a, was a game changer. The compute available cloud is, is a huge game changer in what we can collect. You know, we didn't even touch on this yet, but you know, just look at all the data we're collecting now, right? I mean, you know, I got, I have my Apple watch on. It's tracking how much, how many steps. Yeah. You've got one too, right? So <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, how many steps did I take? How long did I work out today? What was my heart rate? That's all data. It is. And, and the ability to kind of maximize your return and find some return on that data is really kind of up to the creativity of those who are trying to figure out where do they find the value in that data. So if we're trying to find value with data analytics, do we need to be talking about big data or, you know, can we just be talking about all these sets of data? Yeah, I think that I think that's a common misconception, really, is that people feel a pressure to need to go to the latest and greatest, the big data, because that's the that's where the hype is. Right. I don't believe that. I, I believe really well, first of all, in HR, there's lots of data that yeah. is very valuable right. that is not big data. Right. And, uh, you know, my, my focus, we touched on this earlier, has always been working between business and technology to understand where the value is mm-hmm. and how we can use the technology to drive that kind of value. And so in order to do that, you need to speak to and understand the business. Sure. And, and in HR, you, you need to understand the business of HR. And, and then the company's business right. as well. Yeah. You know what? I, I always love when I get into conversations with HR people and we start talking about the drivers of business and looking at their clients in a different light, not as being just, and, and, and my clients being report writers or order takers, but better consultants and better question writers or better question askers. You know, what is it you're trying to solve? What business problem are you trying to solve? How can we take the data that you are generating every day and then marry it to something that the business cares about more like revenue or sales or something like that, and then be able to figure out what kind of patterns are we seeing in the data and how can we drive value by maximizing the interactions with our people? To be able to drive value. Absolutely. I think that that's the key is what you hit on is that it should all start with the business question. Right. Right. Not not the technology, not whether it's big data or not. Start with the business question. And how, how you measure that, that depends on on the goal right. for the business. Sure. Right? There was a I, I like this quote from uh from Elon Musk, he you know, saying, What is a company? What is a business? It, it's really just a bunch of people working together in pursuit of a goal. Right. So depending on the goal. 
there are different types of measures that would indicate value, right? I mean, you, sure. you touched on revenue, yeah. right? Expenses are clearly, you know, productivity. Sure. Maybe it's around customer experience right. or the employee experience. Right. And one of the things I think that we all misunderstand is everybody thinks of HR as just a cost center and not to worry about what the business is doing. You know, pat the good HR person on the head, say, you're doing a great job. You're keeping our valuable resources. Now let the business people work here. I think that's been a common misconception. And I think HR are some of the most brilliant business people in the organization because they are managing and they are helping to take care of those precious resources we call people. And they can drive a relationship between the people and the outcomes in the business if we just had a chance. And with this data, I think we're, we're given the opportunity to tell stories that the business just wouldn't have if they didn't have access to this type of information, this insight. That's the really exciting thing here is being able to make that connection and tell that story of the impact that HR has on the business. I mean, the, the business is all about the people, yeah. right? That's, yeah. that's what's driving this activity. Right. You know, why doesn't that happen so much right now? Because it's not always easy. Right? Well, it, it isn't. It isn't. And, and especially if we're not asking questions, like some of the questions that we hear are, you know, what columns do you want in that spreadsheet? That's not the question you should be asking. Somebody says, Hey, I need a, I need a spreadsheet of people and I need their date of hire. I need their job title. I need their job code. Okay. So you're looking for a demographic analysis. What is it for? How can I help you with it? What other questions should we be asking to be able to get that spreadsheet to become an analysis? Right. And, and I think the, the key here, these components of this analysis that you're talking about. These are not the expertise of HR generally. Not right? they have not been in the past. That is correct. Yeah, yeah. And so you know we're bringing this is a melding of the HR and the technology world and uh, very quickly changing area of of data and analytics and it's bringing it all together to really drive the real value. And I think we've started to see that we we've started to see HR people, especially people in the analytics function, who have done a lot of work on being able to become much more advanced in their understanding of the business. And, and you could even say generalists have been doing this for many years to get that seat at the table. Generalists have had to learn their business so that they have much more intelligent conversations with their leaders, with the people that they support in order to be able to find the right recruits for them and able to help the people understand in the field, in the, in the business, help them understand what is the leader trying to accomplish. And so the HR person has kind of started to generate that understanding of the business, but we need them to get further in order to be able to ask those better questions to, to produce those better analyses, right? Definitely. And th that's the great thing about what you're doing here, David, with this podcast. It's education. It's, it's all about educating and, and helping to close that gap so that people can can utilize these tools and these techniques and bring these approaches really to bear for the business. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by Turetsky Consulting and listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. What can we or how can we create value with data in HR? What are the examples that you've seen in your experience that provide people with value in not the big data, but in smaller pieces of information? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I think 
like we said before, it all starts with, uh, with starting with and focusing on the business question. Jim Barksdale from, from Netscape had this, this quote. If we have data, let's look at data. If all we have are opinions, let's go with mine. Right? <laughs> that mindset, right? Right. It's like, you know, let's get to it. Let's get, let's get down to the data. So what do we, do we have here? You know, classic turnover. Sure. Right. Sure. Classic. You know, today we're, we're talking about how we can go deeper in these kinds of analytics to really drive value out of this information because everybody has turnover metrics, right? Absolutely. But, you know, the first, there's many definitions of turnover, yep. right? So we can start there. Yeah. You know, if we start by counting turnover, how many instances of turnover, that's information, but there's no real insight there. None. Okay. None. Can't compare it to anything. No. So then we start out very simply by, you know, normalizing those into rates so that we can actually compare, say, across organizations. That's a first step. But then, you know, going deeper into that, what kind of turnover do we want to focus on? You know, do we, for example, segmenting, you know, looking at our highest performers mm -hmm. that are choosing to leave on their own? Right. And looking at those rates. Yeah, I mean, I, I would go a step further and to say, you know, when you start talking about turnover, you first have to filter out a bunch of noise, right? So first of all, there's seasonal turnover. There might be interns or seasonal workers or transient workers who, you know, come and go like temporary workers that, you know, they're probably not the best population you want to have inside of the data. So you remove those and then you start focusing on your core, right? And then you say, okay, we're only going to look at people who voluntarily left the organization, obviously, right? We know that there has been some involuntary turnover for every company. They have, you know, layoffs and growth spurts and layoffs. And what we then need to do is look at, look, so we're just going to look at, in, at voluntary turnover. So once you start getting that population set, you know, then you start looking at the ones you're talking about, which are performers. And you start looking at the different demographic groups, like, you know, the jobs, what type of job you know, functions and families. And you start looking at different demographic groups to say, oh, my goodness, are we losing people in certain race, ethnicities or genders or age bands? You know, what, why? Or, or, you know, are we doing a bad job in certain places? So that's definitely a way of getting to, you know, finding value in turnover, which we may have missed if we hadn't gone to those depths. That's right. Yeah. And, and I think the, the, the questions that you just went down there are very specific to the business situation. Sure. Right? They can't be, they're not generic. You talked about seasonality. That made me think of trends, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, often we'll look at trend lines. Yep. Okay. And well, it, you know, for, for starters, is that a statistically significant trend? Is this something that we should react on? Right. If it's seasonal, if the same trend happens every year, yeah. then no. Right. Well, that's why I like, you know, especially if you know that there's going to be seasonality in your data, I like to remove it so that, you know, we can be looking at baseline, you know, a good baseline of data. But you're right. You know, we, we could look at overall trends year after year and see the seasonality in the data. And especially if you have multiple year data and a relatively steady state business, that you should see interesting trends in the data as you go through the different cycles of your of your company's life. You know, when I worked at an investment bank, John, 
we knew there were certain times of the year when, you know, especially when we hired our analysts and associates after bonus time, we knew there were, there were lots of people that were going to come and go. And we kind of figured that into our business plan. So we just knew. And so when we brought up turnover, the first thing we did was we kind of threw out, you know, these are the populations we know we're going to ignore when we go into looking at that kind of data. But it was especially funny to look at right after bonuses were given, <laughs> no matter what it was, whenever we gave bonuses out, there were those people who left. And the funny thing is, you mentioned the higher performers. In the world of investment banking, especially in a lot of the financial services world, it was always funny to see you know, who we had tried to retain, especially if they were top performers, and who just left anyways. And that's why as a comp professional, John, I always tell people, Money never saves an employee who's got one foot out the door and one foot on a banana peel. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, those those trends uh, and those correlations to different kinds of events that happen yeah. are, are key. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is sometimes you'll see a uh, a trend and it could just be noise. Yeah. Right. Sure. So this is where that statistical analysis comes in. Every time the metric moves, does not mean that some sort of action is indicated. Yeah, absolutely. But but it also needs to have that context, right? So that's where if you have a generalist or you have someone who you can talk to about the trends you're seeing and get their perspective on it, whether it's the manager or the, it's the HR person in charge of that area, get their perspective so they understand what you're seeing and they can provide you with the color commentary on what's actually happening there. So if there are trends that they see, that you see, that you go, oh, these look interesting. They go, yeah, no, that was noise. You know, we knew we lost a couple of people there. That's why it happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, let's talk about perspective. Sure. Is, is turnover bad? That's a great question. And I know my, my answer is no. I, I always think of turnover as being great for an organization because it enables people to move up, take on different roles, take on new opportunities, and to get new thinking in leadership positions. What about you? What do you think? I think that's true. And I, I think it does depend on the situation again, yeah. right? So it's, it's the, the point here is having that perspective, that broader picture, understanding what segment of the business we're looking at. What's the right answer for the business, right? Absolutely. And, and keying in the analysis to focus on that. So we've gone much deeper than many organizations go in this analysis. This Absolutely. has nothing to do with big data. Sure. Right. But we're, we're getting deeper and deeper to drive value out of, out of this data. Another you know, example that I like to go to is around diversity. Sure. Most companies at this point are, are, are measuring some kind of diversity yep. metric. Mm -hmm. You know, again, you can start very simplistic and just look at sort of ratios or percentages of different uh, demographics in, in the workforce. Mm -hmm. And then, then we come up to similar you know, statistical questions. Well, if there are differences, and there will be, mm -hmm. right, they're not going to be all the same, are they significant? You know, sure. we get into what are, what are the odds essentially that this distribution happened by random, right? Random variation, right? That's a key question. And, and I think that brings up the ability for us to use big data to help us because there is a lot of big data about what population we're measuring against. You know, if we're looking at diversity and we say, are the populations indicative of the populations that we're hiring from or the schools that we're hiring from? or our target market, or even our, our what our clients look like, then it should give us a good indication by looking at big data that does show us what those percentages are of what should our distributions tend to look like. I think that's a great point, David. I love the part about the uh, the talent pool, yeah. right? Because I think often 
there's sort of a there's a tendency to jump to a conclusion, which is that if the diversity metrics are not what we think they should be, that that is being driven by decisions within the organization, right? And hiring managers, essentially. And if the distribution in the talent pool that we're selecting from is different. And, you know, we could, we could, you can start with general population in the geographic area that we're sure. selecting from. That's, that's big, big picture, right? Yep. But then you get into more very specific things about the specific talent skill sets that we're looking for mm-hmm. and who are the people that have gravitated toward those kinds of roles and have, have chosen to pursue those degrees. Yep. And I would argue though, John, what that enables you to do is to look for those populations where those skills are plentiful and the candidate pool is diverse. Mm-hmm. I know in the past I've asked recruiters to give me diverse hiring bodies to be able to recruit from. And because they used to use their, you know, the sources that they'd go back to time and time again, they kind of pulled from those same sources. And I asked them to choose differently. I asked them to choose, you know, more veteran rich and more ethnically diverse and more gender diverse and to try and find a candidate pool that looked more like the world, not look more like us. And it wasn't like I had resistance. I didn't have resistance. I just didn't get the pools that I was looking for. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of speaks to one of the issues that you're bringing up, which is that we need to be able to find the skill sets inside of those pools that we're trying to recruit from in order to be able to get the population or interview the population we want to interview. And that's why I'm saying big data can help you with that because big data will tell you where to go to guide you. It can't get you there. It can't say hire Bob because Bob's got the background. Bob is uh, ethnically diverse, gender diverse and whatever. Well, that's not going to happen. That doesn't just exist. It just doesn't, there's no tools for that right now. And, and, and by the way, it's not fair. What we need to do is have a bunch of people that we can choose from making sure that we're hiring for the right skills out of the population that gives us what we need. Yeah. And, and take the right actions. You know, you, I, yeah. before you, earlier you alluded to, for example, education or partnering, you know, you may be partnering with the educational institutions in sure. the area. Yeah to uh, promote and foster to get a more diverse uh, talent pool. That, that's a completely different Absolutely. action than, than focusing on the hiring manager. So, John, when I, when I was in a previous company, we actually had partnered with a, an institution. Actually, it was um, Georgia Tech to try and find people in the undergraduate world who wanted to go into analytics. And we had a people analytics incubator inside of Georgia Tech. In order to be able to grow those skills in a really good place, uh, which had brilliant people, brilliant kids, and we got a lot of success trying to find people to then understand the business problem we were trying to solve. That is a great example. And, and did did data lead you to that approach? So when we got into that relationship with that institution, it was because the company had a relationship with that institution. But at the end of the day, it gave us an opportunity to find the right people with the right skills at a, at a time where we really couldn't find people who understood HR analytics the way we wanted it to. So we were able to grow that talent in an institution. It worked well for everybody. That's a great example. Yeah. Another, you know, sort of going back and focusing back on inside the company, uh, absenteeism. 
sure. is another area that we could really focus on. And looking for correlations around why people are absent, how much are they absent, or how much is that costing the company? Yeah, there's a lot of that. In fact, you could draw a just direct correlation between absenteeism and overtime cost for people who have to fill in for absentee uh, employees. So there, there's a lot of great data that you can get out of time data. In fact, time data is one of those piece of information that could be as close to big data as you can get inside of an HRIS because there's just so much of it. You know, every time someone clocks in and clocks out, that's time data. And uh, oh my gosh, there's just so much great insight to be able to glean out of that. We're just scratching the surface, John. I mean, we could talk about this for hours, but uh, well, I'm sorry, we don't have that much time. <laughs> Darn. So, John, we talked a lot about how big data is and isn't useful in HR and how you can drive value out of data that isn't big data, especially in the world of human resources. We also talked about some examples of how you can utilize not small data, but not big data in the world of HR. What other things did you want to talk about around this before we close? I think we covered a lot here, David. We did. And this, yeah. this one key point, if there was one thing, it's not to chase the big data. It's not to, to chase the, the, the shiny nickel here, but focus on the business question. And that even if you don't have the big data or the tools or the people to approach that, there is so much value to be had here in the data that you already have in the organization. Outstanding. John, thank you very much. It was my pleasure. Awesome. We'll have you back again to uncover more. Thanks, David. And thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. If you liked this episode, please hit subscribe. If you think you have somebody who might find value in this, please forward it to them. And if you have any suggestions, please go to TuretskyConsulting.com slash podcast and leave us your thoughts. Thank you very much for listening. Take care and stay safe. That was HR Data Labs. Please visit TuretskyConsulting.com forward slash podcast to review the show, add comments about this episode, or add new ideas about upcoming shows you'd like to hear. Feel free to be creative, but please be nice. Thank you for joining us this week on the HR Data Labs podcast, and stay tuned for our next episode. Stay safe.